need to run. Wealth and everything else. In December, I actually walked out my job. Every second I'm here, some my energy is being spent on someone else's dream. An entrepreneur is someone who will use all the resources where most normal people would save it to put it away. Listen, if you really want to do something, you will do it. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll find an excuse. It's that simple www.stephen-duran.com The man, the myth, the motto You're failing! You're failing! You're failing! <laughs> I'm your host, Stephen Doran, and today I am with Rafael Russo. Is that how I say your surname? Russo? That's great, yeah. Cool. Or is that preferred to call him Raf? Raf. Uh, first and foremost, how are you doing today? Yeah, really good, yeah, just come down from Loughborough um, in London, rushed as always, um, feeling good. Came down from Loughborough, came back from Loughborough, because originally you're from London, right? Uh, South East London, uh, Italy 10 years before that, and then uh, moved to university in Loughborough, um, stayed there for 10 years, and now not sure what the next 10 years are <laughs> in terms of location, but yeah, um, all going well. So, so why the move? So your first move, you were 10 years old, uh, you moved from Italy to yes, Lewis, Lewis, so, um, standard, uh, standard sort of immigration sort of move from, mm-hmm. um, from Italy, from my parents wanting work, moved to South East London, South East London was one of the first sort of stops uh, that most um, countries, most sort of uh, foreign people from Italy would stop off to, stopped there for 10 years um, during boarding school and so on. Um, Few few suspensions, few expulsions, <laughs> few, le- few learning curves, and um, then moved to university. Um, the move was quite good. No one else sort of around me was going to university, so I felt maybe with my mom's sort of peer pressure that I should be sort of led the way to uh, university. Stayed at university for three, four years with a year back in uh, London for work experience. Found out what I didn't want to do, um, architecture, which is what I was studying at the time. My placement year was a really good sort of learning curve. Within three weeks, I knew exactly that that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I, um, I sort of adapted it quickly, learned from my ways and just went traveling for nine months during um, my placement year. Um, with a bit of quirky sort of uh, suggestion and diarising for the university, I sort of managed to sort of go traveling and university was the time where I sort of, uh, I didn't drink and I didn't really like partying and I definitely didn't like the education. So I sort of used my uh, personality to sort of build a small community up and um, became a, became probably what you would call a very young, young sort of inspired person by money, time and effort and realised that I could build a small community that would create money in terms of nightclubs, selling things on eBay and, and uh, anything really. I got a hold of flyering a lot of the time. What was this? What, what, which one came first? What was your first uh, venture? I, um, I realised with a friend of mine, a Chinese friend of mine, who uh, was buying items um, from the shop and selling them on eBay. At the time, eBay was just insane. You could sell anything on there. Because <laughs> just, people just wanted to buy on a new platform. Mm. So we were buying... I think it was a branded branded bracelet on the internet and we were sell- on from the shop and we were selling them on the internet to Italian 
some Italian buyers on, on eBay and we were sort of tripling up and I sort of got a bit addicted to the idea that, you know, just from one platform to another, the fact that I was living in London had the opportunity to go to the big stores with big brands mm. and I could put some of those products which were very specific. I didn't pick the products, he picked the products um, and we were just sat there sort of getting people to go in the shops, buying them putting them on eBay, selling them. And then I started buying products from um, America, China, anywhere really, and putting them on eBay. And, and the money started coming in. The big sort of jump was first year at university. I bought a pair of shorts in the winter, which was really good. Um, they arrived from China and they were Abercrombie & Fitch. That brand wasn't in, in the UK at the time. Mm. And then I got a bit addicted to that. I thought, right, well, why don't we buy 4,000 pair of shorts? Uh, <laughs> as you do, um, being greedy. They arrived in the UK in the winter. Again, a good time to buy shorts. Um, and then we, we finally got to the point where these shorts arrived in the UK. Abercrombie and Fitch weren't in the UK. I put them on eBay. I bought them for £3. I was selling them for like £4 of making nothing on them. Mm. I had a lot of shorts, um, a lot of flowery brown and pink Abercrombie shorts. And... They finally, um, they finally, day three of them being in the UK, uh, David Beckham wore them on a beach somewhere. Uh, he saved me. <laughs> I've not thanked him yet. Um, so he, he sort of wore them and they instantly went up to sort of £70. That £70 turned into sort of making about £45,000 in my mm. sort of first year of university. I wasted the whole lot on travelling, thinking that, you know, these shorts would just be selling for life. <laughs> they all ended up at the boot sale about six weeks later. But we made, I made loads of money, and that was my eBay time. That made me find out that people actually really did buy into what I was sort of selling constantly. And I met so many people. Through that, became a nightclub promoter. And uh, that was fun. I didn't drink, so it was much of a job for me, not a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. and that really helped. Um, Which it can be, right? Because you, you see the different promoters that are are party party. Yeah, and most of them are doing it or get addicted to the lifestyle. Yeah. You know, the women, the, the the drink, the drugs, the the nightlife. You know, sleep in the day sort of thing. I was going to uni in the day, so I was constantly sort of um, trying to sort of not stay up all night. I was sort of like, no, everyone's paid, let's go home sort of thing. Mm. Um, and massive collaboration, learnt massive things about sort of building bridges, making sure you don't burn any, you know, the promoting world is one bitchy world. Um, <laughs> you know, and I soon learned that actually, you know, it's, uh, bridges in that world are really key. So did a lot of that, a lot of big nights, sort of ended up sort of doing Ministry of Sound nights, 4,000, 5,000 people, really fun, um, great at university because I could do it in and around degree, hated my degree but realised I needed to just, you know, carry on, get it done, keep focused and um, and then I started flyering for landlords which sort of brought me into what I ended up doing once university was finished mm. um, and now we, yeah, we, we deal in a lot of property, um, we manage property in three or four different cities now and we own quite a lot. Yeah. So your your is that your main or your sole business now, property? It's main. There are a few subsidiaries. We've got a gym, a, a pizza restaurant, um, a burger restaurant, which we've just sold, and we have a few sort of small identities in and around the student accommodation. But the student accommodation has grown from sort of being you know fifty percent of my life to ninety nine percent of my life, just generally because it was one of the first businesses I started from. So um, out of university, first day, sort of a, a 
let a house out, sublet all the rooms out, lived in it for free, sort of got addicted to the idea mm. of subletting, leasing and everything else in Loughborough. Five Curzon Street, the bedroom, the front bedroom was my office, the second bedroom was my bedroom and then I rented three bedrooms out upstairs and I met quite a few landlords because I was willing to do a lot more than a lot of others were. Um, I was very agile, I had no expenses, you know, I kept relationships. So at times where there was profit to be made, I would decide that potentially the bridge was more important than the, you know, the profit and you'd have to make sacrifices. That taught me a lot of stuff. Um, and that came from my eBay days where if you have 100% feedback on eBay, people bought from you, yeah. you know, and I learned that quickly because when I sort of felt like I could, you know, maybe treat a customer slightly unfairly or sort of ruthlessly or, you know, make those decisions where you're sat there going, morally, I have sent those shorts out. Yes, I forgot to insure them. He's saying he hasn't got them. Do I send them again? You know, um, those sort of decisions. And they, they carry through on throughout life. You know, I, I believe in keeping those bridges through everything. And within the property game, it's been really important. People have constantly come back to me because they can sort of rely on me. Mm. And sometimes it's really tough to decide that, that, that fine line between do I, do I give on this occasion or do I take? And, mm. you know, it's, um, it's really tough. But property is the main game now. We... We own about two, I probably with, I own about 170 properties myself, um, obviously, you know, leveraged from the bank, um, it's about 25 million pounds worth in three cities, Lincoln, Hull and Loughborough, and I own a few properties, probably about 35 or 40 with a business partner of mine, um, and then a few little relationships that sort of go on in the mist, sort of with my staff and stuff, that we own one or two together. Hmm. Um, and it's all about collaborating and making sure that everyone around you is achieving as well as you're achieving. You know, for a long time, I drove around the golf to keep everyone sort of, you know, <laughs> thinking that I was, you know, sort of just working hard, not not overachieving too much because the jealous eyes come out, you know. And you have to find the balance. It's really tricky. You know, people mm -hmm. get greedy around you when they see you doing well. Um, the, the problem with most people is they see 10% of what is actually going on. You know, your Instagram page is 1% of your life. You know, if I was to put on 100% of my life, there would be a lot of images of me sat by the computer doing boring <laughs> stuff, you know. Working, right? Yeah. yeah, working and, you know, um, and sitting in bed sort of worrying, you know. I don't take pictures of myself worrying, you know. <laughs> my selfies are... Because that a new trend. Yeah. <laughs> my, my new, uh, I'm panicking with I'm stressed, you know, um, and all my uh, all my worries with councils and banks and and all of that sort of stuff. You know, you, no one sees that, so mm. it's about portraying the right stuff and making sure people um, buy into the fact that you are stressed. You know, mm. um, and stress is an energy. If you allow stress to eat you away, there's a few emotions in the midst of everything. You know that. I believe are a little bit sort of uh, subdued in in nature so you're brought up to think jealousy is a bad thing pride is you know a good thing you know uh, stress is a bad thing well I believe stress is energy I believe uh, being proud has got me into a massive amount of trouble you know mm. it's called stubbornness you know mm. um, and I think you know jealousy is key for me I'm jealous of a lot of people of what they've achieved what they've done and everything but it's not a negative thing mm. it's actually quite like an admiration yeah, it's an admiration to um, what people have achieved in terms of whether it's fitness, you know, money orientation, and it depends what your values are. My value was always that I would like my effort to be valued, not in time. Um, 
you know, I don't believe that people should value time because people's time is quite unsettled. If you don't do anything in that time, asking people to come in seven o'clock till seven o'clock in the evening is all fantastic. But if they don't do anything and they just tick the register, mm. you know, then it's not great. And I think it's time to value people's efforts, which is really hard because it's measured. You have to measure it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, if accountability is really hard, you know, most people don't want the responsibility, you know, mm. of being accountable all the way along. So I think it's about making sure that you understand what your values are and what you want out of life. And for me, it was always like, I want to be measured on my effort because I always believed and convinced myself that my effort was a little bit more valuable than most. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I convinced myself that, but it, it, wouldn't, it makes me think about where I'm spending my time and who I'm spending it with and how much do I value it, such as do I care about the weather, do I care about TV, you know, do I care about chit chat with friends? You know, do I want fake relationships on Facebook? You know, all of that sort of 10% facade that people sort of portray. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I'd rather not speak to you for five years and have a meal once every five years, you know, and, and actually have a, a concrete conversation that means something where there's emotions mm -hmm. involved. Yeah. 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 It makes perfect sense. How important is it? Um, how important is it the people that you do have around and are the people that you have around generally related to? what you're doing, your end goal, like your, whether it's business and yeah, that I kind think, of thing. Yeah, I think, um, I think family and um, family, family is not a forced thing. I think it, it, it needs to be natural. Like some of my brothers and I, we, we get on as a family, but we're not actually the same people. You know, we have so many of the same characteristics, maybe perceived things so similarly towards us growing up. But it's quite peculiar. The person next to you has a different perception of the way something happens, you know. And it, mm. and I think everyone around you needs to have goals which are aligned. If they don't, then actually that relationship won't last. And you need to decide whether that relationship needs to last or not. Like, I have builders who I know I may use now, but I may not use in five years. So it's not that key that they have the same goals as me. Mm. So I don't mind if they're interested in only money because I can use them to do my building work that I need for my goals and they get their goal at the same time. So goals yeah. are aligned, but they're not the same. Yeah, And that's okay. Um, other times, such as like people around you, like your girlfriend, your wife, or you know your managers or your concrete staff, it's key that they're achieving their goals at the same time you're achieving yours because um, unfortunately if people don't achieve their goals, whether it's, uh, you know, they want to buy a house or they, you know, they want to get married or they want to achieve something set. If you don't help them achieve that, they don't link that goal to you. Um, so not only do I help them achieve those goals, but I make sure they know it's, it's from me. Mm -hmm. You know, I make sure that they are defined, their goals, are, they've got perspective. And I also make sure that they learn their own mistakes. Um, mm. That's really key, you know, to make sure that they are always aligned with you in life. Because in five, six years, if you try and cuddle them towards their success, you know, they don't learn anything. They don't suffer. And actually, the suffering part is the bit where it, the detail behind the suffering is key. It's important that they sit there and they reflect. Because if they don't, they don't learn anything, you know. How important has that been for you? Because you mentioned um, people don't see when you're at home stressing out, you know, laying in bed or whatever else. <laughs> How important has, has suffering been in building who you are today? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, uh, I have um, I have probably three areas that I suffer in a lot. Um, I suffer in sort of emotional relationships because I work so hard that I convince myself all day that I'm perfect and it all needs to go my way and I'm convincing everyone of my way. But then when you get home, you know, having that defined line of, 
not getting your own way, mm-hmm. you know, or not being stubborn or not being dominant or not being confident, you know, um, and it's key. So I think to make sure that you not only you suffer correctly and for the right amount of time, there's a difficult subject where when you make a mistake, whether you punish yourself, you know, and how long for, like, I do like to suffer. It is good for me. It's very energizing. You know, mm-hmm. I get, I get quite frustrated with myself and angry with myself when I make mistakes. At the same time, it's very limited. I say to myself, look, for 20 minutes, I want you to sit here and actually think about what you've just done and why you've just done it. Mm-hmm. But then you do need to accept it, Yeah. you know, and I think that's the problem with most people is that it's not about waking up the next morning with that pain because mm-hmm. it's about waking up the next morning and making sure you don't do it again. You yeah. know, um, and I think a lot of people get very confused between you know suffering, which is good for you, and suffering, which is just you know self, self sort of poorly and sort of you know guilt. You're building guilt within yourself, which is is it's useless. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the situation you've created or the people that have suffered through that mm. situation. You know, the only thing you can do really is move on. And some people say it's quite cold to not have you know, mourning or, you know, sort of when people die around me, it's, I'm, I'm the sort of person that sort of says that is really sad, but mm. what is it that I can do about that situation? Nothing. So is there any real gratification or success or is there any sort of positive in me doing that, you know, in, in terms of laying in bed for a couple of days and mourning over it, you know, no. And I think that's where it is, is you have to learn to draw the line after you've suffered you know, or after you've had a hiccup or an obstacle in the way, you know, it's, um, and I think the quicker you can get over those obstacles, you know, and, and that so-called bad luck that people approach, um, I think as soon as you can get over them and the quicker, I think the quicker you develop and you move on and you get to move faster, which is fun, you know, and as soon as you can sort of input that positive energy, as soon as something bad has happened, you know, I think it's great. So there's almost a difference between suffering and learning. And just suffering for the sake of suffering, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people self-pity themselves. It's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. yeah. And uh, would you, what would you... I mean, is there a way out of that? Is there a strategy that you'd use to get away from that? Yeah, I think people have different things. You know, I, I, I mean, I know that I used to just sort of put running trainers on and go out for an hour and turn something positive out of it. I know I hate wasting time. So for me, it's a matter of, you know, looking at the clock and just going for 10 minutes, I'm going to think about this and then I'm not thinking about it again. Mm. You know, and some people at work would say, Raf, you know, what happened yesterday is detrimental to this company I'm like well it was detrimental within my lot you know within those 20 minutes you know but actually mm. it's not detrimental anymore unless you make it detrimental mm. you know and there's a lot of fake there's a lot of fake sort of drama out there and I don't believe in fake drama mm. I don't believe in dramatizing anything for longer than it needs to be dramatized so almost in the sense that there'd there be a problem and, and people will jump on it and enjoy having the problem. Is that yeah, yeah, of, a lot of people yeah. do. And, and because there's not a lot, of, you know, there's not a lot of drama is quite energising. So mm. people, t- it's quite confusing for people's emotional sort of balance to sort of decide, is this drama positive because it's fun and energetic or you're in love or, you know, there's something really positive going on because that's dramatic, you know. Mm. Um, but it's you've got to find the balance where when you do have something really energetic and it really increases, like that you bring yourself back to balance all the time. It's like receiving a new car, you know. It's yeah, it's amazing, not that amazing, you know. So you you, you end up sort of the journey to getting the car is a lot better than actually achieving the car. Once you're in yeah. the car, three days later, you're like, oh, I'd like another car, or it's not that great, yeah. or you know. So it's you know, so it's about finding the balance. Which is life, isn't it? I suppose we set goals and it is generally, generally 
I say always, but 99% of the time, it's the journey really rather than the goal itself, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, especially with things such as such as cars. So, what are your what are your goals moving forward? Where are you heading to next? Yeah. So, um, personally, just a bit more time for myself. Uh, I think um, I would like to achieve the goal of um, what I would aspire to call freedom. Um, a lot of people sort of use words to sort of explain what they're trying to achieve. My my goal is to be able to carry on doing what I want to do every day. You know, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I want to be able to do something, I'd like to achieve that sort of a freedom of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to stop working. I love it. Um, I'm addicted to it. I'm completely obsessed. It, it's the most fun thing in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to stop working. I'm never going to convince anyone that I'm going to retire. I think once you've picked up this sort of bug of you know, success and achieving things. I don't think that most people like to let that go because it is very um, fruitful. Um, so I personally think the next 10 years of my life is probably finding a really comfortable zone where I can um, have a certain amount of money to live a certain amount of my time in sort of a very freelance sort of space. Mm. Um, and probably then the 10 years after that, probably just to help people and create some sort of legacy um, I have quite a lot of work still to do. I've not sort of achieved anywhere near what I would like to achieve in terms of success or size or, you know, or sort of achievements. Um, the money side of things all sort of, sort of dies down after you've made your first sort of couple of hundred thousand. You sort of, it's all the same, you know. One watch, two watch, three, you know, three houses, four houses. It's all pretty similar stuff after the first sort of couple of heard. Well, you're only going to wear one watch and live in one house, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to look silly, um, <laughs> um, but you know, from from my perspective, it's about freedom. Um, so I'd like to create freedom, and then I'd like to um, help others, mm-hmm. um, and possibly just pass on some of the education, some of my learnings but possibly in a different way. So I like out-of-the-box kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, you know, I believe I had dyslexia and I think it actually really helped me. I didn't listen to anything anyone ever said to me. Mm-hmm. I still don't, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that really helps me. You know, I don't understand most things that are academic. Um, whether I've told myself I don't understand them or I just don't. Yeah. You know, I don't have the concentration scan. So it's good because I've never really sat on the same thing all the time. Yeah. So, you know, the ADHD-ness of it all was actually overachieved for me and I don't like people that sort of say... Oh, you've got dyslexia, or you've got one arm, or you know, you've got this, or your parents, or you, what chance did you have? You know, mm. it's a bit of a choice. You wake up every morning, you can mindset yourself to have a good day or a bad day, and you can mindset yourself whether you're going to do something 100% or you're going to give it half hearted sort of percentages. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's, all, it's all thrown around a lot. And I think there's been a lot, uh, if you look at people with dyslexia, or for example, to use your example, they tend to find another way. Of solving a problem which is actually a, a really important life skill isn't it to be able to approach something and and find different ways to deal with something other than the obvious way um, which makes me think and I'm not sure why but you're a very creative person which we've not really touched on but your branding especially how important is that for you I mean uh, I, I think of your you got a gym which is called Jim J-I-M a uh, pizza place called Peter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got locate me with an with an A, and it, it's actually the the branding within this place. Obviously, it's hard to explain over audio, but it is is immense. Uh, whether it's Lego men painted on the wall, or, yeah. or 
or you know you've got extra large human sized Nutella pots knocking about and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and all kinds of crazy things that, that go on uh, where, where does that stem from? I think it's um, from an, from a background of sort of uh, probably an Italian father and living in an Italian environment. The Italians are all about experiences and memories, um, and also so is social media. So I think when those two things sort of hit me at a very current, it was very current for me at the mm. age of nineteen, twenty. eBay, the platform, you know, at the age of twenty one, twenty, Facebook. Um, it was all very current and what I found is that people actually started to buy experiences and people actually wanted to be touched and they wanted that moment that picture you know to savor that moment you know and for me we wanted brands communities and cultures which all sort of define those moments Um, I knew I wanted to be different I was always very eager to like not join everyone else you know Mm. which is really tough sometimes from you know going into an exam in three weeks and thinking you know what I'm not going to study I'm just going to cheat you know it was actually harder than actually studying for the exam (laughs) you know the stress of it is unbelievable you know I wish I'd just studied for the three questions that the teacher actually told me what was going to be in you know in the exam but you don't so I think it's about making making sure that you're different, making sure that you know who your customers are and, and, and actually putting putting yourself in their place, you know, what would my customer see as they approached my restaurant, my gym or my student accommodation, you know, what is it that I want to portray and it's making sure that it, it, it's portrayed throughout every single phase, you know, from going to the toilet to, you know, um, you know, sitting in one of my restaurants and having a pizza or, you know, to the point of when the phone is answered or when people say hello and goodbye. And, and not, none of the three or four companies are sort of perfect at it, but I think we add enough value for people to be able to say, we really buy into what the owner's trying to create here, mm. you know, and I want people to buy into my environment because I think brands um, can't be sort of replicated I believe products can but I believe brands are a lot more difficult and I think it's proven you know for, for everyone I don't need to you know teach people how to suck eggs but in reality right now products are just you know nothing really it's all about the brand it's all about what it feels like the lifestyle the experience the moment you know and all of them and I think I'm constantly adding loads of value to what my customers are buying and I'm never offering like discount. Mm. You know, none of our marketing is done on discounted stuff. I believe Tesco's destroyed the discount market, you know, (laughs) and and they played the game at what they could. High traffic, low, you know, low profit, um, but high turnover. You know, we're sort of trying to do the complete opposite. So Mm. we're trying to sell the fact that actually you buy student accommodation and you achieve you know, uh, free gym passes or you achieve free taxis mm. in the town, you know, so it's about adding loads of value to those brands. And I think creativity is fun for me. I'm, you know, coming from, like I said, ADHD, dyslexia, um, and also never being able to like sit down for longer than half an hour. Mm, all my businesses sort of show that, you yeah. know, they show that I've had like, you know, I'm sort of a bright light guy at the fairground. I'm a nightmare, you know, everything <laughs> I'm zigzagging across the, sh- you know, across the stalls or across the grounds, you know, and it, it's like that. I don't have a massive amount of structure. Yeah. Um, so I think my brands replicate exactly what my persona is. Have you ever got it wrong? Whether we're branding or business, or... yeah, completely. Um, sometimes wrong, wrong is quite tricky. I think I've businesses. I've made loads of mistakes, more mistakes than successes. 
I've ignored them completely. Um, I believe that it was a time thing or my passion. I believe the three businesses that are currently active and very successful are based on the fact that I deserve it. Um, I believe I put myself into those businesses. I lived them, breathed them, and I believe I deserve to make money from them. And I think there's a big difference between when you look at something and you're quite self-analytical that you say, do I deserve to make money from this business? And there have been businesses that I've started up half-heartedly. There are businesses that I didn't do my research in. There are businesses that I went into with business partners which were negative for me. I didn't think them through or I never put enough effort in. Mm. And honestly, I... I believe my business will only go wrong if I stop putting effort in. Mm. I mean, it, you get what you deserve. Like my businesses have the businesses that are sort of, um, I wouldn't say failed, but just I didn't donate any time to them, so they didn't deserve to work as successfully as the others. I believe if I'd have put my time and effort into them, they were just as good ideas as the others. But it just depends what's, you know, what timing you put into them, what effort you put into them, and a few balances of things like decisions, staff, timing, you know. But none of it's bad luck. They deserve to fail, mm. you know, and mm. I deserve to lose money in some of them because I didn't put the effort in. Yeah, fair. And how important is, is staffing and having the right people and, and how hard is it to get the right people? How easy is it? Yeah, I think I think working by yourself is amazing, completely dependent, accountable. You know, you put 20 hours in, you get 20 hours out. You know, um, your first couple of staff, you'll end up employing everyone around you, people you know because you trust them and trust is key at the first start of a company. What you will find actually is you can trust people that you don't know a lot better. Mm. Um, and I also think past five or six staff where you can afford to have you know, one person that isn't great or isn't pulling their weight that day, I think you end up riding it. Between one and five is torturous. You know, you, you are, you're filling the void. You know, I, I believe between one and five, if one of my staff didn't come, I would have to do their work. Um, you know, and actually it's really tough because everyone does what they do. Um, at the beginning, it's all quirky and customized. And it's all about you and you made it about you. You're the middle and everyone, you want everyone to be dependent on you. You want your phone to be ringing. You know, you go past five or six and you end up going, okay, less calls, please. Um, you know, and you start to delegate and procedure base and diarize things. And, you know, you put all of this stuff in and I'm realizing more and more that actually I'm not a very good person between six and above. You know, I'm probably a lot better at sort of having five or four or five people really believe in me and persuade them to commit because when I'm at the office till 10 o'clock at night, they feel guilty when they leave and so on like that. But actually what I really want now is loads of people that come in at 8.30 till 5 and just do a good day's, a good honest day's worth of work because it's a lot easier to attract a thousand sheep than it is to try to attract three great lions, you know. Mm. And the reality of it is... I think it's really tough between one and five. I think it gets really fun when it's like 30 or 40 because, you know, things go wrong, people quit and it doesn't really matter. People can jump in and it's not all about you. And what I'm realising more and more now that I, the companies are starting to become slightly larger is that when I don't go in, it's not as important. Mm. When I'm not putting 20 hours in, it's irrelevant because if my staff are doing all the wrong stuff, three of my staff doing eight hours a day could be worth me not working at all. So actually it's, it becomes more important that I shape them, you know, and I guide them rather than do it myself. And it's tough when you're a doer, you know, because I'm you're used to being hands on. Yeah. 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 And you, 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 rather than thinking things through all the time, I'm not a massive thinker, you know, I'd rather just do it. It goes wrong. Okay. Put my hands up, say sorry. And it, you know, and, and learn from it. But 
now I'm going back to actually thinking like I'm actually going back and creating mission statements like mission statements are something that I used to say to people you know what why don't you just pick that shelf up forget the mission statement you know, like, <laughs> and it's it's difficult when you find that balance um, of when now in reality I'm much more of a thinker you know there are decisions quirky little things that I'm doing 1% of the day I might just mould 30 people in one conversation mm. you know and I can probably inspire 30 people to do a good day's worth of work through one silly message in the morning that sort of motivates people and makes people feel like they're buying into me more, you know, rather than actually going in at five o'clock in the morning and then doing a bit of work secretly on my email, you know. Actually, it's all about the impact I have. And mm. I think a lot of it's about acting at that stage. I think it's really draining. Like, I go in and I'm like, I'm literally acting to every member of staff. I know the placid ones. I know the ones that need confidence. I know the ones that are having problems at the moment, you know. And I dive into detail, you know. Like, I want to know, are you and your boyfriend arguing at the moment? Because, you know, you've not done your hair today. Or, you know, like, I feel like there's something wrong. You're not on top form. You're not smiling, you know, which means you're not smiling to the customer. And it is about saying, why don't you just go home for three or four days? You need somewhere to live. Can we sort this out? Because as soon as you can cut down your staff's negativity, it really helps throughout the whole process, you know? Mm. And that's what it's about. It's about the detail. It's about making sure that you act on all those little things that you think, yeah, I did see her boyfriend sort of slam the door when he left or, you know, and it's all of that detail, yeah. you know? And that's what I like picking up because that detail is where I win to everyone else. Like, mm. I've got that extra inch, which, and I'm willing to act on it, you mm. know? I can walk into an office and I kind of know, like, people that don't put their heads up are stressed, you know, people that don't say hi and smile and I also don't want you to talk to me for 10 minutes you know because I know you're not focusing um, so it is about that detail so staff is really key and between one and five I wish you luck it's tough after that it does become a lot easier is it difficult because uh, you're obviously one thing we haven't touched on is your lifestyle I know you like to travel a lot you mentioned yeah. going traveling before but even now you travel a lot I mean we've traveled together and we have plans to travel together yeah. in the in the near future as well and swim with pigs in Bahamas yeah <laughs> please yeah <laughs> so um, but is do you find that tough because I think you meant you touched it in in the in the sort of one to five businesses you've got um, if you were to take a leave of leave and, and, and you're on one side of the world sunning and funning um, do, do you how does that affect the ecology back home I think when you're small, it suffers. I don't. I don't care what people say. Like, I don't. I've never had great experiences of running a small business and you going. You're pivotal. You know, mm. it's a, you're you're a slave. Like there is no there's no shadow of a doubt. I've been a slave for ten years. You know, mm. even if it's not that impacting, like in your mind, the guilt like just kills you. Yeah. you know? And you mentioned a similar with the car, right? So you're saying like it's hard. You, you held back for a while on getting yeah. like a, Loads. a nice car. You have because... to. It's a sacrifice thing, and I don't. I don't believe in people sort of saying that. You know, actually, like you know, it's all in your mind. Like you have no idea the responsibility that an owner has compared to sort of an employee holds. You know, and it's just an emotional. It's not, it's irrelevant. It's not functional. It's not practical. You can't see it. You can't hold it. Mm. It's just in your mind. You know, because you want it so badly. Some of my companies owe me you know, family weddings, family birthdays, you yeah. know, they owe me my brother's love, you know, I've I've had I've had big sections of my life missed and I've put that effort, I've taken that effort away from my family and time I can never win back and I've lost girlfriends based on putting it into something like Locate Me and if Locate Me 
um, worries me when I'm away, then that guilt kicks in, you know, and it, the worry is a lot more detrimental than to whether I've sent an email or not. It, it kills you, you know, it eats you away. And mm. I think now, more so than ever, I'm experienced, I'm more developed, I've got more staff, there's more things in place, I've got loads of catchments in place. You know, mm. it's very rare that one decision will kill a company, you know, and it's very rare, you know, that. Um, one of my days not at work will you know suffer at all so I think traveling is key for everyone because I think it's an outline of your success or it's an outline of what people sort of choose to say is development now you know they feel like they're developing themselves becoming more cultured if they can potentially sort of um, in situ themselves in different experiences you know um, not just you know the social media side of things but actually I feel more developed as I sort of experience more things with my eyes my senses and everything mm. um, so yeah I think at the beginning really detrimental I think towards the end um, that's the that's the whole point you're an unsuccessful businessman if your business is always going to need you mm. that's not the point you know mm. I'm I am working very hard to make sure that I don't have to work you know um, in the areas where I don't want to work I will always go abroad for the rest of my life and I will always work every morning I will mm. want to because I do love that side of things but it's making sure that I don't have to I want to and mm. that's that's what is worth something to me yeah and that little shift of autonomy is, is a massive factor for a lot of people isn't it that yeah. the day when you feel like you have to do something is totally different to the day when you feel like you want to do something yeah. and, and that's the difference between people loving their job and hating their job or the, their career and 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 so on and so forth uh, your routine is obviously quite important to you because i know you you do a lot you maximize your time uh you're you're up at five every day yeah is yeah that correct what what do you do when you get up um five a.m for me is just um it's nothing it's um it's a non-distracting time i get to really focus on stuff sometimes i do some pointless stuff like tidy up the flat just prep myself for the day um, sometimes I do amazing stuff like go for runs and spend some time on myself you know sometimes I read books sometimes I go to work and get ahead of people I love mm. I love the feeling of beating everyone to work effort right <laughs> yeah yeah it's all about the effort and uh, you know I love watching I love driving past my competitors when their offices are shut and mine's open mm -hmm. it's just a feeling that I don't know it's just amazing it's as good as Nutella um, <laughs> you know and uh, you know, it's um, it's it's key to me that I use that time um, as a different time to everyone else. You know, I spend a lot of time alone. Most entrepreneurs do. Most sort of hardworking people do. Um, and that time alone is really key for the bigger picture. You know, I'm all about the bigger picture. I have a, like the detail of the bigger picture in the middle. I'm not that interested. That's all very boring stuff towards mm. someone like me. Do you find as a as an entrepreneur, uh, spending a lot of time on your own, does it get, ever get lonely as an entrepreneur? It does, but I think I have I have in my mind I've got a picture, and sometimes if I'm doing the boring bits like colouring in and not the outline, you know, it's not a problem because I've always managed to say to myself this effort will be rewarded it may not be short term but it will be long term and that picture will come you so know a bit of delayed gratification yeah right? and yeah. The, you know what it, the difference between the difference between me and most people and you know most people that have some sort of success and success is varied in so many ways but the difference is i could draw that picture for 10 years and not have any outline um, you know I could plant a tree and if the fruit doesn't come out for 10 years I wouldn't chop the tree down I wouldn't give up mm. you know the idea is that I always believe in you put enough effort in it will come at one point and most people 
end up giving up at line one, you know, phase mm. one, step one, you know, oh God, oh, and she said no on the phone, so we can't do that, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like a lot of people sort of say, oh no, you can't go to France, you know, tomorrow morning because of the trains aren't running, you know, it's like me, I'd probably do everything to get to France on that day, or I'd yeah. do everything to achieve that thing that I've sort of set my mind on, and it is about, you know, when someone says they can't do something, or they say no, you know, it's about working out, is that a habit? Am I just being, am I being self-critical to think that, like, I can change her mind? Or actually, is it that she just doesn't understand? Because a lot of the time, communication is key. Mm. People usually come under misunderstanding when there isn't enough communication. Because most people, their opinions are generically right. You know, everyone's right in their own perspective. And life mm. is about that perspective. That's really, really, really enlightening. So I'm wondering, uh, if you were... So, I'm, presume, I'm assuming there's going to be young entrepreneurs listening to this now, starting out at the beginning of their journey. So what's some advice maybe you'd pass on to them? Yeah, I think uh, don't listen to no one. <laughs> um, I think, you know, do what you feel and make sure you do what you want. Um, don't listen to your parents. They've, you know, they haven't achieved what you want to achieve. Um, otherwise, you'd have different achievement goals. Um, I think resistance, persistence, willingness... You've got to be willing to do more than other people. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. You know, um, owning a Ferrari is not easy. It's hard work. The tires are expensive. It's you know, it's expensive to drive. It's expensive to ride. It's expensive to park. It's annoying. You know, all of those things, all of those, like in the in the trail of things, you have to make sure that you're willing to do more than anyone else you know. You mm. know, and that's whether that's you know, running faster, driving faster, you know, um, working harder, getting up earlier, getting up when you're tired, you know, there isn't things. And there's things that you've been told that are in place to stop you achieving certain things. Sometimes they stopped other people achieving those things. It doesn't mean it's going to stop you. So mm. it's about making sure that you keep focused, always on bigger goals. You know, never think that that bigger picture won't come. It will come. It may not come in the shape or form you have in your mind. But let's be honest, in reality, we need to achieve what we want in our minds. And to be able to do that, it's the question of how far are you willing to go to get there. Mm. So very much, I mean, very much what I'm hearing is, is think for yourself, listen to yourself. I mean, it's your life, right? You live it, yeah. your, live it on your terms and, uh, and effort level. I mean, work hard. Be the, I, I don't know where the saying's come from, but I use it a lot. It's always be the hardest worker that you know, yeah. which is pretty much resonating yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in what you're saying. Do you know anyone who works harder than you? No. There you go. There you go. Guys, thank you very much. And if you want to find if, if you want to find Raph, where can we find you? Um you can probably find me at the locate me office in London. <laughs> no, um I'm uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, um and uh, yeah, Snapchat or you can just uh, just call me. It's uh, I'm happy to give my number out. Um find me on LinkedIn, I never use it, so expect a response back in about four or five weeks. Uh, <laughs> That's me on LinkedIn as well. I'm not, I'm not a big LinkedIn. Falsified man. networking. I'm oh this is two weeks ago, I'm really sorry, I just I just don't come on here. I just don't come <laughs> So yeah, um yeah, and good luck everyone. Just Make sure you know that you're it's actually what you want. Make sure you're not living anyone else's goals.